today on Tea and Teaching. I think when you you go into survival mode, you're just looking to the end of the week each time and you're looking towards the end of the term and it can't come soon enough. And it's just kind of a, oh, it's Monday morning. Oh, I just got to get through to Friday. And when you're in survival mode, you then, you kind of stop living in the moment. You stop being present. I think very often it is that pressure to keep thinking about it, to keep worrying about it, to keep mulling it over and in a sense that's just totally natural because if there's an area of your life like your job that you're totally engaged in you know it's quite difficult to be like no brain don't ever think about it during this half term so often as teachers we're like oh you know if we're not thinking or doing stuff about school it doesn't show that we're dedicated actually having those boundaries means you are dedicated because if you're in a good space your students benefit not the other way around Welcome to Tea and Teaching, the educational podcast you can listen to with a cup of tea. I'm Arthur Moore, and with me, as always, it's Michael Harwell. Hi, Mike. Hi, Arthur. How are you? I'm fantastic, buddy. How are you? Yeah, we're good. Well, we've we've just had an amazing chat with Gemma Drinkle, who's coming on the uh, on the podcast. She spoke all about how we can improve our mental health, how we can improve our well being. Um, how we can create some clear boundaries between work and home. So I think we should get to it and we should have a listen to what we spoke to Gemma about. Absolutely. Uh, So listeners, go put on the kettle, get yourself a cup of tea, treat yourself to a biscuit. Uh, This episode has got some absolute gems in from Gemma. We'll see you in a moment. Welcome back to Tea and Teaching. We are lucky enough to be joined today by Gemma Drinkle, an educational wellbeing coach. Gemma, welcome to Tea and Teaching. Thank you so much. It's so awesome to be here with you guys. Yeah, and we've come to the end of the first half term of the year. That's what we're going to be talking about today. But before we get into that, do you want to give our listeners who maybe don't know who you are a little insight into who is Gemma? Yeah, uh, so I'm Gemma. Um, always sounds like alcohol is anonymous when you start like that. Hi, I'm Gemma. Um, I'm an educational wellbeing coach, uh, which essentially means that I help teachers to create clear boundaries so they can switch off from teaching, switch on in their life, create that work-life blend that actually means they can thrive in teaching and thrive in their life outside of it as well. That's basically me. Which is something we all want, isn't it, Mike? Yeah, definitely. I think we all need a bit of Gemma in our lives. And we're we're coming to the end of that first half term, um, which I know for a lot of teachers and educators is kind of, it's quite often the hardest half term. I know it was when I was in the classroom. I know it still is now just kind of that busy time. Is that something you're hearing from people you work and talk with all the time, Gemma, that this is the term? Yeah, because it's it's a mixture, isn't it? It's coming back and you're like, how do I teach? I've totally forgotten how to teach. If you're new to teaching, it's like, you know, a ring of fire to go through and it's such a long term and you know the the nights are pulling in the mornings are pulling in you know the summer's over and it's that general seasonal vibe but also you know that intense learning of learning new classes learning new routines if you're taking on new roles trying to get your head around that you know it can be really fun but it's just madness 
I think especially like it doesn't matter how experienced you are like everyone is starting something new this term so it might be a new job it might be a new role in your school but it might just be a new class it might not even be a new class it might be having the same kids but they've gone away over the summer and completely changed and they've forgotten everything so it's that first term where you kind of like we said before recording and I'm I'm gonna get told off this like I think a lot of people say this is just about surviving this half term and I can see you wincing Jack I can see you shaking at the very notion of that like is that a bad thing for me to be saying if I said Mike have you survived this term is that a bad question I mean Mike what do you think to that question because have you survived is it about surviving to you or there's been moments yeah I've just to put this into context, I've started a new job this year in a new school. So there's definitely been moments when it's like, uh, yeah, just tread water and, and make it through. Um, but you hope that they don't outweigh the times where you're really enjoying what you're doing. Yeah, I think that's a really valid point because I think when you you go into survival mode, you're just looking to the end of the week each time and then you're looking towards the end of the term and it can't come soon enough. And it's just kind of a oh it's Monday morning oh I just got to get through to Friday and when you're in survival mode you then you kind of stop living in the moment you stop being present you stop remembering and and being there for those you know silly little moments that the kids do something daft and it makes you laugh or actually when you've had that little sense of achievement and although surviving is something that a lot of teachers will feel that they're doing because you know that the job is just so pressurized at the moment it's it's being more present and actually being able to recognize and be grateful for what's going on right now and that kind of it's just a reframe but it, it can shift you out of that feeling of just surviving to actually I get to do this job and it's actually amazing that I get to do it is there a risk with especially with people starting maybe new schools new jobs uh, just maybe being one of the more experienced people in your department for the first time if you've got new people coming in is there a risk of people getting their expectations and their limitations a bit muddled in terms of expecting too much from themselves and not realizing what their limitations are in what's quite a kind of pressurized environment? Yeah, I think that's really that's a really good point to make. I mean, it is it's I I rave on about boundaries and it is that those boundaries. When you say you're, you know, oh, you're doing the best that you can. But like when I hear that phrase, my brain kind of goes, oh, but are you doing the very best that you can? Because you could work later, you could work harder, you could sleep less, you could do, you know, more work over lunchtime and things. But actually, you're right. It's working within your limitations. It's working within your boundaries. You have physical boundaries. You have physical necessities that you have, you know, sleep, exercise, you know, eating healthily and things like that. So actually, when you say that you're working to the best of you can, there, there is that expectation yeah, you're setting yourself too high. You're kind of forgetting that you're a human being first and that you have needs and that actually you're not superwoman, even though you think you are. Um, and it would be great to be superwoman, but even superwoman needs to break occasionally. So actually, yeah, particularly if you're going into someone new because you want to impress people, you want to please people, you want people to go, oh, yes, we've made the right choice employing, you know, employing Mike. Um, so it's yeah you do put that pressure on yourself and I know that was something that I did a lot I just expected the world of myself and just kind of forgetting actually I'm just one person and in an average week I'm seeing well over 300 kids I'm doing great just being here let alone everything else I do on top of it it's 
it's often a thing with teachers, isn't it? We put a an unnecessary burden on ourselves. And it's sometimes what we perceive other people's expectations to be obvious. Oh, that person's a teacher. Every lesson they deliver must be the greatest lesson filled with these little magic gems of moments every second. And it's sometimes like that perception of what we believe our reality should be clouds our judgment of what our reality actually is. Yeah. And I think because you because you're like the only adult in the classroom and then like a school is just a load of compartments like, you know, you don't see other people teach very often. Um, You can start yeah, having these um unrealistic expectations what other people are doing and being like oh my god they're just amazing all the time I've got to also be amazing all the time when actually they're probably thinking the exact same thing the other side of the wall and you're just not aware of it so as we approach kind of people going to be listening to this maybe maybe even during half term or the start or end of their half term depending upon when it is is there something that teachers can do to kind of reframe that those thoughts as they come as they're in half term what what can they do as as people to kind of take some time out but also to reflect without going into teacher mode and marking books etc yeah I mean that that reflection time is so valuable I mean I'm a huge fan of journaling I journal most days because I just find it a really good way to process my thoughts and my feelings and, and what's going on inside so actually if you set aside a bit of time you know whatever day of the week just set aside a time and say on this day I'm going to do this and just kind of think back over the previous term and consider you know what have I been amazing at what actually push comes to shove have I done really well what am I pleased with what am I proud of what are the moments that brought me joy like what are the those like joyous happy highlights and I kind of like you know what bits weren't so good and rather than taking that as an opportunity to go, and now I'm going to beat myself with a stick about it, instead be like, okay, but what is it about that I would like to change? What What is within my power to do about that? Because I think very often there's lots of things that aren't in our control. You know, if we've got a student in our class that is just, their behavior is all over the place and they're just not settled and they're really struggling to like regulate themselves, there's only so much you can do. In the grand scheme of things, there's not a lot you can do. You can only influence that behavior by you know, providing the safe space of your classroom, by providing those behavioral boundaries and things. But actually, majority of what's going on for that student is outside of your classroom. It's probably even outside of school. You have so little control over it. It's about letting go. And I think particularly with the October half term, you know, as and, you know, keep going on about the seasons. But, you know, if we look outside, you know, the leaves are falling nature is letting go and it's kind of a nice way of us actually to say actually what can I let go of and putting in that as a, as a set time and saying I'm going to do this reflection um but then you can also actually give yourself permission to switch off as well and say actually yeah okay there's a bit of work that I need to do I'm going to do these on Thursday and Friday but the rest of the week is mine to do with as I wish and Remember that you're a human being first and that you actually, there's no need to feel guilty about not working because if you're a human being first and you're teaching, you know, it's a job, you're not at work. It's okay to have time off. It's totally fine. Definitely. I think it's uh, it's really easy to feel like you're irreplaceable in a classroom where in fact, if you had your resignation in that school will replace you within a matter of weeks. 
But at home, you're irreplaceable to the people at home, aren't you? Yeah, I think that's a really valuable reminder. Yeah. And I um, I know people's situations and circumstances is different, but it's really, I always found it was important to spend time with people who weren't teachers and educators. Like, because a lot of my friends didn't care much about like what mass processes I had been teaching that term. They'd be like, how's work? Yeah, it's all right done and then we talk about something else i think it's really important as a teacher to it's easy to go and listen to educational podcasts maybe only listen to one um uh, or two generally two. Two. how dare you two, two. <laughs> uh, or go on twitter and immerse yourself in education or go and read that educational book but sometimes the best maybe the best cpd you could do as a teacher during half term is to not be a teacher and not talk teaching and go and talk to mike about throwing a javelin I like the fact that you've totally skipped over the fact we're both married to teachers there, Arthur. Yeah. And the, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the is, best yeah. way of relieving your stress is to get away from other teachers. <laughs> Happy half term. Don't you people. do in half term just go and live in a cave, Mike? Is that, yes, is that I not do. What I, does? I book an Airbnb and I just get away from it all. <laughs> my my partner has genuinely booked a uh, hotel by herself one night during half term. It's just going away um, to not listen to me, I imagine. Oh, or to I'm sure there's other reasons. Probably. Yeah, I'm Maybe. sure. I'm sure. I'm sure, Arthur. Yeah. Sure. Sounds like a dream. Um, the hotel, but anyway. Should we take this moment to go and get a have a little biscuit break, Mike? Get a custard cream, uh, top up your tea if you want. And when we come back, we're going to continue talking about Gemma, about how we can use this half term to to reframe our mindset. We'll be back in a moment. <laughs> Welcome back to Tea and Teaching. Uh, Gemma, we're going to kick off this part of the pod by asking you about the importance of boundaries. So that that drive home for a lot of people is a really, really important time of kind of decompressing from work and then stepping through the front door and, and being the person you need to be at home, whether that's you live on your own and you just need to be kinder to yourself at home. You don't need to be a teacher at home or whether you're coming home to someone else or other people. How do we create those boundaries and how do we create that moment where we are able to switch off from the pressures we have at work? It might not even be that stressful, but it's definitely there's definitely pressure in a job and then become the person that we need to be at home at the same time. That's a really good question. I think I think very often it is that pressure to keep thinking about it, to keep worrying about it, to keep mulling it over. And in a sense, that's just totally natural because if there's an area of your life like your job that you're totally engaged in, you know, it's quite difficult to be like, no brain, don't ever think about it during this half term. So it's a balancing act. First of all, it's it's saying to yourself, I've done enough and now this is me time and I have earned this and I'm worthy of this and I can have it. Um, and if those thoughts of school come up, like I used to, shower is my, my main place to have ideas unfortunately like I wake up and I'm like oh my god all these ideas um but it's saying you know if you if you're also a showers idea person is going okay brilliant I'll make a note of that after I get out of the shower otherwise it's going to be a damp note and let it go and say to yourself okay but if I'm coming home this evening and I'm not thinking about school what time when can I return to this because very often I used to do this as a teacher, I'd be like, okay, well, I'm not going to think about school right now. I'm not going to engage in it. I'm not going to do anything with it. 
But then, you know, the ideas would come in and I'd be like, okay, well, I'm not going to think about that right now. But, you know, you know, when you're like, I mustn't forget that though. So your brain just keeps repeating it to you. So you don't forget. And then it just keeps mulling it over even further. And your brain's like a very own little snow globe going round and round in its own little web of, of school thoughts. It's kind of giving yourself the opportunity, the structural opportunity to just be like, make a note, let it go. And I think when you say, you know, being the person that you need to be, outside of school it's remembering that you are a person to someone else outside of school like you know you're not Mr Moore you're not Mr Harrowell you're not Mr Drinkle to someone else it you know you're Gemma you're Arthur you're, you're Mike you are that person and remembering actually they they're not entitled they don't deserve but you've you've got them as a part of your life and you value them and they value you so actually it's valuable for you to spend time with them and you know, maybe they've been unintentionally a little bit neglected during the like fever that is the school term. Actually, during half term, that's really a good time for you to like, you know, we return to them, I suppose. And then, you know, I say that ideally, you know, we've got that time and energy for our families and friends throughout the year. It's not just a half term thing, but it is really about actually putting in that mental barrier, having that physical boundary as well. You know, if you've got a school laptop, hide it somewhere. Don't have it in plain view. Otherwise you'd be like, oh, I'm just gonna, oh no, I've now started answering emails. Um, yeah, so it's just trying to shut off any like visual cues, give yourself permission and know that actually you're of value to someone else outside of school. So you've got to be there for them as well. I love the idea of it's something I used to do if those physical things of like, I get home, my laptop goes in a separate room or, or cupboard or under the bed, wherever it just goes out of sight. What I used to do is I used to like, I would have my post-it notes and I would, if an idea came to mind or something, I would write it down, but then I would go put that post-it note out of sight. So I would go put it in that same cupboard being like, well, I've had that idea. It's a good idea. Maybe I'll come back to that when I'm going back into work mode, into school mode. I, I'm, I'm, as you're saying, I'm Arthur right now. I'm dealing with this stuff. And I think kind of on that same sense of kind of physical boundaries is we all have teachers in our lives, as we kind of already mentioned, like try and like allow your friendship groups and your friends like to get, if you've got a good idea and you want to talk to your department about it, maybe don't put it on the department WhatsApp group that we all have. Like try and respect other people's like, Mike, I'm sure you don't want to be texted by your department being like, I hope you're having a great time, Mike. Just thought we could re-go over all the assessment criteria. Uh, speak soon. Bye. I'd love it. Let's go now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it's, your contact ability during half term is so key. Like, are your emails on? Are the notifications coming through on your phone? Um, having those boundaries pre-arranged with your department. Yeah, so if you've got a department WhatsApp, don't, don't talk to each other during it. You know, if you want to meet up for a coffee message separately make sure that that's just a work thing um because yeah otherwise there's just so many easy ways to get sucked back into it when actually that's not going to help you rest it's not going to help you recuperate it's not going to help you come like you know beginning of november as a new term starts so it actually benefits you to switch off but more importantly it also benefits your students like so often as teachers we're like oh you know if we're not thinking or doing stuff about school it doesn't show that we're dedicated actually having those boundaries means you are dedicated because if you're in a good space your students benefit 
not the other way around. Do you feel that this has got worse during and post-pandemic, Gemma? Like that work, I know a lot of teachers didn't work from home or, or did work from home. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of people I know who don't work in teaching definitely work from home more now. But it, it encourages that kind of different forms of contact that you could have, the fact that you need to be reachable, the fact that everyone went through this kind of traumatic process and started leaning because you couldn't go out and see your friends and your family in the same way. They started leaning on work colleagues more. Do you feel that there's a lot more kind of offloading to each other and trying to share problems with work people as opposed to finding better kind of support networks outside of work? Um, that's a pretty good question. I, I mean, I'm, I'm an open person. I always used to offload onto my, um, onto my colleagues, whether they wanted it or not. <laughs> um, so um, I'm not really sure. I mean, I, I think that, you know, there was definitely a blurring, um, particularly like with, with parents being able to access teachers far more easily at any time of day that they needed to. And I think in that sense, schools are responsible for like retraining te parents, sorry, into actually this is acceptable work hours. Teachers are not going to respond during these hours. Don't expect a response. Um, so I think it's it's relearning those those habits. Um, are we leaning more on each other? I think it then very much depends on what your school is like and what your department's like. You know, if you're in a department where your best buddy's there, then great. But if you're in a department where it feels quite, you know, either more toxic or more like more in competition, like you can't look like you're struggling or anything, then you know, I think it does depend. Is it oh is it okay to vent at kind of the start of that half term, end of the term? And if so, like, is that, do you have any recommendations on good ways to vent? Like, who do I go and vent to? Who do I, like, I don't really want to vent to my partner or my three-year-old. I don't think he would be very receptive to my venting about assessment grades. Like, is there, is there a positive way to vent? Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many positive ways. I mean, literally just uh, grab a pillow and scream into it. That's, that's quite, yeah, like just, you know. Because it's usually about pent up energy, isn't it? Pent up rage. So actually it's working it out of your body. So I walking really helps me. So go for a walk and run, exercise, get your body moving. Um, <laughs> I was about to say vent to a plant. I don't know why. You could vent to a plant if you wanted to. Um, journaling. Um, also kind of being like, if you've got someone who is happy to listen, just be like, all I want you to do is listen. I don't need anything from you. I just need to say how I'm feeling, get it out, and then I'm all good to go. Venting then becomes a problem if we go, mm, yes, no, actually, I've got a taste of this venting and I'm actually annoyed about something and it, it begins to fester. So, yeah, vent healthily to get it out of the system. Yeah, I watched something recently where someone said it's physically impossible to be angry for more than 90 seconds. Like the, the hormones that are released through anger dissipate within 90 seconds and the reason that we stay angry is because we keep having the same thought and we keep reloading that process of releasing that hormone so i guess it's really important to kind of be able to have that thought offload it put it out of your brain and then move on with your thought process yeah it's it's that reframe it is you know if something 
I don't know, like a kid's just particularly annoyed you this term. You haven't yet worked out a way to have that positive relationship with them. It is having that just, yeah, a 90 second vent and then be like, okay, what can I try next? You know, put a positive spin onto it. And if you haven't got a, what can I try next? It's like, okay, what shall I do now instead? You know, watch some TV, go for a walk, do some knitting, whatever it is that helps you to just kind of switch off and be yourself again and kind of just let go of that problem right now. Because very often, you know, it's it's when you aren't thinking about the problem, like when you're in the shower, that the solution comes to you. Are you going to be running this half term, Mike? Is that your vent? I know yeah, that's I've our vent, a, kind of. I've got a, a long run, this plan for this half term. So, yeah, <laughs> it's, it, it's where all my stress goes and it's where all my good ideas come simultaneously. So Is that the 50K? It is a 50K, yes. Can wow. I make a joke or should I not make a joke? You shouldn't make a joke. It's still way too soon since the uh, the failed 100K attempt. Okay, so I'll, I'll wait to a couple more episodes and then... Yeah, no, please do. Please do. Yeah. It wouldn't be good for my mental health, Arthur. Yeah. Well, as, as someone has completed 100K, I'm, I'm there for you when you need me, Mike. Um, Gemma, <laughs> if we switch that. So we've had our vent. We've had a lovely half term. Um, it's the Sunday before we go back, which I know is when we see a lot of teachers getting the, the Sunday dread. Um, like, what can we do to prepare ourselves for going back into the work environment, whether that's a positive or negative work environment, whether we're looking forward to it or not, what can we do to kind of come out of half term mode and start to switch back into, right, I'm ready to go again Monday morning? Yeah. So I would say the first thing at the beginning of term is decide when you're going to switch back on. Have a date or a time to say, right, okay, these times, these days, I'm going to do some work. I'm going to get myself back into it. Because that way it's it's more of a this is a plan thing rather than oh I have to think about school and I don't want to my school is rubbish and I love my life outside of school so having that that pre-plan with that as well if you can kind of have a bit of a an overview of the term so I was terrible for this for the first couple of years of teaching where things would just creep up on me like oh god it's parents evening this week oh I didn't know about that like I hadn't looked up forward enough in my diary so have a general like have a brief overview of the term what are you expecting where are the pinch points that you're expecting what what steps can you do to to mitigate those as much as possible so have that kind of forward thinking planning time um with that with your first week as well easy things like make sure that you've got all your lunches done your outfits are ready laundry's done you're not running around trying to find pants and knickers each morning because you haven't done your laundry making sure that you are eating healthily things like that just to make sure that there's as little decision making as possible that you're having to do um, and just make sure that there is a, a clean run through um of good things the other thing is, is that reframe again, you know, very often it's like, oh no, I've got school tomorrow. It's reframing it and using it in language like I get to, I choose to, I can. So actually Monday morning, I get to go to school and I get to teach my amazing kids and I get to share about a subject that I find really passionate. I can spend all day playing and being with young people and they're the best people in society. So let's just hang out with them. It's, it's, changing your language from i have to so it feels like an external pressure of oh i have to do these things i don't want to but i've got to but actually going actually i choose to 
because ultimately we're adults we can choose what we want to do we don't have to go to work if we don't want to but we choose to admittedly there's like maybe external pressures like cost of living and things that make us make the decision to go to school and do our work but ultimately we choose how to do that so it's I get to do these things and when you have that language it puts you back in your own driver's seat it says actually I'm in control of my life and I get to do this and actually I'm really lucky and blessed that I get to do this as a job because teaching is the best job in the world so it's actually a a really positive nice reframe and as you go into school you know keep that positive mindset I suppose of what what good things are going to happen to me today you know oh maybe this is the wonderful thing that's going to happen to me today look out for those things and that that requires us retraining our brains very often like our brains you know as humans we're, we're biased towards the negative it's a survival mode thing but we can retrain our brains rewire our brains to look for the good things look out for the things to be grateful for and that means that we just find better better daily joy like finding the joy in the little things and that can improve our our happiness and well-being over time i I really like what you're saying there jamie it reminds me of when i was working in a um um let's say a school whose culture didn't necessarily align with my own values and I, i was really struggling and i was i was having those thoughts and i i could literally i could hear that voice in my head saying like like you hate this like why like that and i i had to tell my brain I'm not going to listen to that part. Like, I'm not going to listen to the negativity. I'm going to find that positive. Sometimes that positive was literally like, this school is going to allow me t- to get a mortgage. This school, like, I'm lucky that I work in a school where I just had a week's half term to spend with my my um, my son. Like, what a great job that allows me to have a week. And it's only six weeks before I get to do that again. So I, I completely agree what what you're saying about reframing. I often f- like we've all heard of reframing, I imagine. The thing that's difficult, I think, is, as you said, you have to train your brain to do it. It's quite often you say, like, oh, I'm going to reframe my thoughts. Well, I'm going to do that now. And, like, it's really hard to stop those negative thoughts. And you literally have to go sometimes, like, no. And I was reading a book recently. It was like, some, like, say knowing out loud is a really good thing to do. Start If you have that negative thought, just go, no, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm going to, I choose to do this. Like, I'm choosing to teach this topic in maths because I really enjoy it. Um, so I think you're exactly right. Finding those positives and latching onto them, holding them because they are joyous things that we need to kind of embrace. Mike, like without getting into specifics, like in your like new job, have you found like that reframing at all? Have you had to like focus on the positives or anything like that? Yeah, so I'm I'm a pragmatic person, but I'm also an impatient person simultaneously. So I always want things done and I want them done pretty sharpish. So I have expectations of myself to get that done. So occasionally I'm going to do work in my evenings um, and that's my choice. So I try, I try not to say I need to do work tonight as opposed to I'd like to do some work tonight. I'm choosing to do some work tonight because it's something I want to do. And actually I'm going to sleep better if I just spend an hour at the laptop getting that work done. And this is, and you might disagree, Jim. I don't know. One of my pet peeves is schools that say, we don't want you to do any work outside of school hours, but actually doing some work in my own time, actually in the evenings or maybe a weekend for an hour or two, it actually sets me up for the next week. And I feel 
I feel less stressed about the coming week because I've organized some of my thoughts or I've organized a task that's been bugging me. So I don't know if that's a good way of doing it. If you're going to tell me I'm totally wrong and I shouldn't be doing that. I don't know. No, you do you. I, I like, I think if you've got a school that is generally saying we don't expect you to do work outside of school and they're expecting you to have that work-life boundary and balance, I think that's really good. However, you're right, you know, some people, they have better ideas and, and work better in the evenings. So I think there has to be that bit of a balance of um, you can't expect everyone to work the way that you do. And that's then where we've got to find that balance. Like I worked in a department where there was just two of us. I'm really laid back, lastminute.com kind of person. My colleague was complete opposite and liked to have things ready at least a week in advance preferably even further so you know our our working cultures clashed occasionally but it was it was finding a compromise where you know we found that we worked really well together because there's different strengths in, in how different people work and again it, it's your choice so it's really good that you're like actually this is my choice rather than I have to sit here at the laptop and I think that other physical boundary you can put in as that time limitation I'm going to sit here for an hour. I'm going to get X, Y, and Z done. And then there's a couple of things that happen there. You've got Parkinson's law that says that, you know, the work that you do expands to fill the time that you've got available. So if you're giving yourself just an hour to do X, Y, and Z, X, Y, and Z is going to be done. And you've got to accept the quality that that is. So if you're a perfectionist, that is a really difficult thing to do because you feel, oh, but there's just a little bit more you could do. So it's, it's, managing expectations which we've which you, you mentioned before I think it's also being open about those things Mike to the people in your life like it's like I've worked with you a lot I know that sometimes you're like I need to go and work for an hour but the worst thing is like when someone goes like they just sneak off for that hour and you come and you're like why are you doing work like we're supposed to be having dinner together whereas if you're open like I know my partner like She's a night owl. She works late at night. Like I do my work in the morning. It's a very bad clash. But like, I know I got to learn very quickly. If she said, I'm going to go do this. Like the worst thing for me was be like, no, don't. That's a bad idea. Because then we're clashing just because we're coming from the problem from different directions. So I think it's about being, if you're going to go do that owl work, Mike, like make sure people know, don't like, like go and be vocal and I know you do that but I think that's good for other people to do is like you know what works for you as you said Gemma like you do you but make sure other people know that you're doing it because you choose to do it not because you feel compelled to do it so you wouldn't walk into your department and be like well I did six hours work when I got home last night and I hope everyone else did like that would be bad leadership Mike there's my top tip for you don't say that I shouldn't be doing that no that's bad no. okay let me write it down <laughs> But then I think that is also a valid thing to say, you know, sometimes you can work in a department where it's like, oh, I spent all these hours last night marking my books. And then someone else might be like, oh, crumbs, am I meant to be doing that as well? And it then it starts to niggle in your mind. So avoid comparing yourself to others, which I know is easier said than done. But it's, you know, it's, it's having that core self-belief that you as a teacher are amazing, freaking awesome. And you are worthy and that you are enough. You What you do for your students is enough. It's probably more than enough, but let's not go there. 
it, there's no need, you know, and everyone's different. Everyone teaches differently. So value yourself and know that what you do is, is enough and that you don't need to be looking over your shoulder to see what others are doing. Gemma, I think that's some amazing words for us to finish on there. If people are listening to this and they want to find out more about you and what you do, where can they go? How can they find you? Oh, I'm everywhere. Um, So <laughs> I'm on Twitter. So Gemma underscore Drinkle. There's also my podcast, which is called the Teachers with Boundaries podcast that you can check out. Um, And I've also got a Teachers with Boundaries Facebook group as well, which is a free community where I dish out loads of extra tips and advice and reflections and also just you know, generally get to know me a bit better because I am a bit mad, but hopefully in a, in a beneficial way for others. So, yeah. I know, like, I know I see your videos all the time, Gemma. I know we've spoken for a few months now and they are really good. And even sometimes just seeing your your face on my LinkedIn be like, ah, oh, yes, I need to, like, remember to do that boundary, Arthur. Remember to reframe. So I would definitely recommend getting part of those communities and definitely check out the podcast because it's awesome. Gemma, I've been really looking forward to having you on the pod for ages now and it has not disappointed. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been amazing to be here with you guys. Um, listeners will be back in a moment. Welcome back to Tea and Teaching. Arthur, love that conversation. What did you take away from it? Arthur, just love that chat with Gemma. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. Um, the one that really struck out for me was when we were talking about going back after half term and Gemma saying, decide when you're going to go back. So if you're going to, if you need to do some work on the Sunday before you go back, cause that works for you, but make a conscious decision to decide that and then communicate that to yourself and the people around you. So I like that idea of just actually making a decision of when you are going back to work. Um, how about you? Yeah, I love the idea of reframing things. So talking about like, I am choosing to do this. I get to do and do this. I get to go and teach tomorrow. That's amazing. Or, you know, I get to see those amazing students that I work with. I think that that will have such an impact on someone's um, perceptions of work. I think that's such a powerful piece of advice. I think we often forget. I know I did when I was teaching in the classroom of being like, even my favorite classes, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to have to do some marking. I'm going to have to mark their assessments. Whereas I should have reframed it be like, isn't it great that these students are going to show me how much they've learned and how much we've came as a class. So, and as I said, like making a conscious decision to do that reframing is really important, but um, just really like that talk. It's really important to talk about this well-being aspect, Mike. So I'm really glad we have these conversations. So am I, Arthur. And thank you very much to everyone for listening. And thank you for Gemma for her amazing inputs. Please look her up and get in touch with her because she knows her stuff. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tea and Teaching. If you've enjoyed the content of this episode, please feel free to share it with other educators. And if you're able to, please leave a review on the platform. And as always, thank you for listening to Tea and Teaching.